that you're joining us in this worship service today and those that connect with us through technology it's just amazing can you believe where we are today how the lord has seen us through through uh, mountain peak experiences through the lowest valleys here we are still standing and breathing and moving forward navigating through challenges nonetheless seeing things we did not expect and perhaps suffering the consequences of our uh, not thought through decisions, but God remains faithful. There's a passage in Scripture that says that when we are faithless, He remains faithful. And we stand here today because of God's faithfulness over our lives. And you need to acknowledge that. You need to acknowledge that over your life. That's why we're standing. And in church, we're moving forward. We're hearing all this news changing. I know we're hearing now from the authorities that we can basically... Go back to the way things were. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I want to go back to the way things were. And I know right now they're saying this week is a significant week for our city and state. They're going to take away, basically ignore. If you've been vaccinated, you can walk away from all the restrictions. And you can you know, walk freely. I, the other day I was walking through a, a store and they took off all those separation things that are on the floor and it's just amazing the way things are changing so quickly, telling us you don't have to wear your masks anymore. Can I tell you what I think? Well, I'm going to tell you anyway, but can I tell you what I think? <laughs> not so fast. Just not so fast. I know that this pandemic is going to be over. I know, I know all of that. There's, a, there's an end to it, but not so fast. And what I'd like to do, and please follow my example, and the example of our leadership team, when we're in the house, we're going to continue. I don't know, if for the, you know how long, because things are really easing up very quickly. But God's been good to us as a church ministry, and our people, our congregants have remained generally healthy. People have navigated through COVID, but have made it through. We haven't had the horrible hit that some other churches and places have had. And that's because we've been very cautious. And I want to take this moment to thank you for your patience and, and just... You know, I know we escort you in, escort you out, you sit in, you have your masks on, your hands, all that stuff. We're going to continue that for now, okay? And I know things are opening up this week. And just follow our example. We'll give your instructions. We'll instruct you in the next several weeks what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. But I'm going to ask you to please listen to my advice and let's just continue wearing our masks while we're in here. And following all the procedures, I know CDC just uh, lightened up some of the restrictions and and that's good. That's wonderful. I'm the kind of person that I, 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 I like to watch and see what happens before I have my family start to do what happens out there. And this is only because I love you. So we're going to stay with the course that we have over the next, uh, next weeks or so. We're going to give you instructions as to what we're going to do. But we're staying right where we are, wearing our masks, doing what we're doing as we observe, pray, and seek wisdom. Because that's what it's all about. Seek wisdom from the Lord as to what step we need to take. And by the way, I do this, and we're doing this really because we love you. We want to make sure you're healthy and well. And so that's why we, we continue with these restrictions. So while we're here, let's continue wearing our masks and washing our hands and waving like this. And, you know, whether you're vaccinated or not, you know, let's just maintain that decorum. And I encourage you to do that also in your daily activities. There's nothing wrong. And besides, some of you look really good with your masks on. That didn't come out right, right? That didn't come out right? That was not pastoral at all. That's what I get for not following my notes. 
That was, that, you know what I meant. I love you. I've proven to you that I love you. You look good with your mask and without your mask. You just look good. You're beautiful. Love you all. But we're going to follow those steps uh, as a church ministry moving forward, and we'll see how things progress over the, the coming days and weeks and months, and we'll uh, um, give you that information as we go along. But one of the things that I, I am convinced about, uh, and I've said this throughout the last weeks and months that uh, I've been sharing with you, nothing happens outside of God's purview. Nothing. I mean, he is aware of everything. And some of what happens is the consequences of our decisions. But nonetheless, God knows and is aware of everything. And I believe one of the things about COVID is that because of the shutdown, maybe God was trying to tell us that we were doing things that we shouldn't have been involved in anyway. And I'm speaking specifically of the church because it, it, it affected everything. And I think the danger that we might go into is to reassemble or go back to the way it was or normal, whatever normal was. I believe that normal has been redefined and the journey moving forward now has to be not what we want or what we miss, but rather what does God want us to do as a church. And I think it's even more important because I live convinced of this, that the only agency or organization that can respond to the condition of the world today is the church. Now, you're saying that, I'm saying that because I'm a pastor. No, no, no. I firmly believe that we have the light, we have the truth, we are the salt, we are the ones that are to provide that for the world. And I think that the world is seeking answers, and we are the ones that possess that truth, if you will, and we need to start sharing that in a, more, in a different way. So uh, we're living in a time where it's, it's challenging, difficult. Uh, there's confusion. You don't know who to believe. Uh, but we follow the truth, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. We follow the examination of our hearts before God. And as we move forward, I think God's going to give us the procedure, process, and protocol that we need in reassembling what we need to reassemble. And I am saying that to say the following. Please don't pray, can we go back to the way things were before? But rather, let's follow our church theme for this year. Lord, speak to us. Speak to us. Because now the weight of responsibility over the body of Christ and God's kingdom is greater than ever before. People are going to be looking toward us to be able to provide an answer for what is going on in the world. And I believe we, need to, we have the answer. We just need to be able to communicate that in a way that causes people to not be changed but to be transformed. As we're preparing for Holy Week, and one of the readings that I've been doing, and I do this often because this church takes the name from the first century church, is what I find in the tail end of chapter 2 of the book of Acts. And that is that the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to have a, a Pentecost Sunday being preached. It's going to be powerful. But one of the things I saw in that transition is that all of society during the first century now was going to hit a pivot point and needed to make a transition from the way the old things were done in relationship to God to now the new one. For those people that are very sophisticated in their theology and philosophy, it was a change of dispensational reaction to God. Where in the old times it was about the rituals, the high priest, the shedding of the blood, the once annually shedding of blood, slaughtering of animals for a mankind to reach the righteousness of God, what you did. And now with Jesus appearing, with the incarnation, and now he appearing, the Christmas story, and then him, his passion and dying on the cross and then resurrecting and ascending and being to the Father, 
the church finds itself, which by the way, in the book of Acts, it was not yet called the church at the beginning. It, the, the people, the followers of God, and back then it was called the followers of the way, that's what it was called, the way with a capital W, uh, the followers of the way, many of them thought they were following a tradition of Judaism anyway. It was just that they found fulfillment in the Messiah in Jesus Christ. And so some of them thought they were still being Jewish, but just still now following the fulfillment of God through the Messiah being presented. Others that were not Jewish in background found Jesus, and now they're looking at another expression of God's justice to them, another God. They were emerging from paganism into now this monotheistic experience, and they were going to have to not change, because change is different than transformation. Transformation is that from the very core, you become something so different that you don't even look like what you were before. And so the church found itself, or the believers, the followers of the way, found themselves in the first century in this moment of transition where they needed to not uh, 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 repudiate or, or, or uh, offend the things and practices of the past, but they now had to go into a pivot point, which was the cross. The cross became a pivot for philosophy, a pivot for truth, and a pivot for these believers, because they were no longer following the, the, the Levitical order and the things of the past. There was no need anymore for the shedding of blood and the sacrifice of animals, because now Jesus paid it all on the cross. He became the perfect sacrifice and the high priest par excellence. In other words, uh, 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 beyond the order of Melchizedek, which was considered the highest priest. In fact, some even read about Melchizedek as being God-like, not just a high priest. So they found themselves in this place. And church, you know that the most difficult place for you and I to be in life is in the in-between. Because if you're getting a divorce and you jump one too quickly into another marriage without dealing with the in-between, all the toxicity on this side, you're going to transfer it over via UPS to the other relationship that you get involved with. There's a place of the in-between, an acclamation, a moment where you reassemble some of the things that brought you to that place. Amen? And, and get yourself better so that when you go into this new journey, this new experience, you'll be better equipped to handle it. You go to the doctor, and he performs some surgery or gives you some medication. All he's doing is dealing with the in-between. And oftentimes church, because of habit, because of family history, because of our own uh, immaturity, oftentimes we don't deal with the in-between too well. And as a result, we trip up in the in-between or stay stuck for the rest of our lives in the in-between. You've met immature 50-year-olds and immature 60-year-olds and immature 70-year-olds and immature 80-year-olds. It's simply that they were not able to navigate into the in-between because they were looking, listen to me closely, they were looking into their own resources and their own abilities in order to get through the in-between. Say in-between with me. They couldn't get through the in-between because they were relying on them. That's what happened to the first century church. They were caught between the old Levitical order and being careful and the high priest wearing bells on the bottom of his pants, uh, his trousers. This way, if he was slaughtered dead, then the, the ringing stopped and they would pull him out because they had a little tassel tied to his leg and pull him out. They were still used to that. And this new thing that God was doing, they didn't quite understand. 
They didn't understand this thing of apostles. You don't find that in the Old Testament. They didn't understand this, this thing about this epiphanies that, that happened to the apostle Paul on the road, road to Damascus. They didn't understand this thing about the speaking of this angelic language that happened in the upper room. They didn't understand. So they were in the in-between. And the only way that they could navigate that was some, by something supernatural happening, and that's the day of Pentecost. And you'll hear it preach when we celebrate the day of Pentecost. And church, I'm submitting to you today carefully to consider and I'm going to be very pastoral in the way I approach this right now, we have to realize that we as a society and as a people today in 2021 find ourselves in the in-between. And we need divine intervention. In the in-between, not in the before. We had a divine intervention back there. And certainly not in the future because God will show up when he's going to show up. But it's in this vacuum, in this place of uncertainty, in this place of aren't you tired of being tired of being locked up and not knowing where to go? Aren't you? T and the sun's coming out and now we can finally get out. In the in-between, you got to be careful. Because if you rely upon your own things and want it to go back to normal or the way things were, you're going to be stuck in the in-between forever. We need divine intervention. So today I want to preach a sermon entitled, Ending a Chapter to Begin a New Season. Ending a Chapter to Begin a New Season. And I'm focusing in specifically on Chapter 2 of the Book of Acts. And by the way, I've read this and read this and reread this because I, uh, everything that I do in ministry really emerges from Chapter 1 and 2 of the Book of Acts. And this, like I said, this church takes its name from the first century church. The primitive, that church was considered the primitive church when you study church uh, uh, ecclesiology. And so this church takes its name from that. And it says here, Pentecost had happened. The, the power came down, something supernatural. They ran because they were afraid of getting killed. They hid because they were afraid of being uh, caught. Uh, they were doing things. And Peter, prior to this chapter, Peter preached a sermon that thousands of people were, were saved and came to the way. Through, a, through the preaching of a guy that never preached before, had no experience of preaching, because something supernatural happened in him that transformed him. And I believe prophetically in this house, there are people that are going to start speaking that have never spoken before. There are people that are going to move in giftings that you never even thought you had before. There are young people and even older people and those that seemed unqualified long time ago that all of a sudden we thought that they were not going to be used of God and God's going to start stirring up in them the spark of leadership, the spark of ministry, the spark of doing and of transforming. Hallelujah. But watch this chapter very carefully because those that were transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit didn't all go to preaching. There were 120. The numbers were larger than that, by the way. But God couldn't use, was not interested in using the hundreds and hundreds and thousands. He was guiding down to a select group of 120 up there praying and seeking God. But there weren't 120 apostles. In fact, what happened from here, only 11 apostles emerged. And later on, Paul was grafted in. Amen? So we, it isn't about preaching. It is about what I've, I've been teaching here for as long as I can remember. We become agents of change. Agent, you may not preach, but you can run a pantry. You may not preach, but you may minister to seniors. You may not preach, but you may teach in a school. You may not preach, but you may be on a school board. You may not preach, but you may put bandages and then give people injections. You may not preach, but you direct traffic. You may not preach, but you're the best plumber that God ever made. You may not preach. Let's not limit the transformative power of the Holy Spirit as we begin this new season. That's all I'm saying. 
And it says here in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 47, I just want to read it through and then just tell me how it speaks to us and how I think it speaks to this church. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All believers, say all believers with me. Yeah, it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in the homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord, say the Lord. And the Lord, and the Lord added to their numbers. Let me start there because oftentimes we get enamored by adding numbers to the church. The one that adds people to the church is the Lord. Don't take away God's work. That's what he does. And he does it very well. We think we got to take another growth, church growth seminar. No, 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 no. You just need to be obedient and move where the Holy Spirit is, is, is moving you, and God will take care of that. Besides, God doesn't want to build a kingdom that's shallow. He wants to build people that are deep in a relationship with him. Because when the storm comes, the shallow will be blown here and there. But when your roots are real deep in your relationship with God, problems will come, situations will come, people will hurt you, but you will stay standing because of God's power over your life. Is there an amen in the house? Hallelujah. And what I find from this scripture and ending a chapter to being in a new season is that the people devoted themselves, and devoted there implies the following, to voluntarily place yourself under the authority of somebody else. And I submit to you that in the day that we're living today, that is becoming increasingly more difficult because we have leadership that lacks integrity, a leadership that is duplicitous. In other words, that they don't know where they fall. And people, not just leaders, people. And to devote themselves back then means to voluntarily. Now remember, the church was just starting. It isn't until later on in the book of Acts that it's actually called the church. There were just people that were following this way. And yet, these followers that were, and prior to this, uh, thousands were saved. So these people now were coming into Peter, who they remember. They used to try and chop heads off. Peter, who they remember, was the one that denied Jesus. Peter, who was a troublemaker. But they decided to voluntarily place themselves under the leadership of the apostles. And church, we need to get to a place where we have to ask ourselves some very probing questions as we go before the Lord in prayer. And let me pose to you some of them, three of them. Who speaks into your life? Do you resolve the major problems of life on Facebook? Do you speak to people on the phone that have a worse life than you and have made greater mistakes than you and don't live as an example of anything, are those the folk that are speaking into your life? Do you always uh, uh, align yourself with people that make you feel good? Feel good doesn't mean that you're growing. Feel good doesn't mean that you're maturing. Feel good means that somebody's saying, don't worry, it's okay. There are people worse than you. They, didn't, they just insulted you, by the way, when they said that. So who speaks into your life? 
Who have you given license to be able to speak? And I'm not just talking about having a conversation with you about the weather, but someone that you can have a dialogue with back and forth. And I'm not just speaking about with God, because yes, you need to have that kind of relationship with the Lord. But who speaks into your life? And I want to submit to you that in this new season that we're starting, we have to be more discriminating with the people that we allow to speak into our lives. We have to narrow the voices we've been listening to. We have to get more fine-tuned in who speaks. That's what the apostles did. Remember, there was a lot of noise happening. In fact, if you look at Pentecost, they were speaking in tongues. There was such a ruckus that people that didn't even know them all of a sudden became upset because what is it that they're speaking my language? They're not even from my town. So there was a public craziness going on that happened. That's what happened. Today, we're living there. In fact, they say that all people are watching less and less news now because it's not interesting. It's not interesting because what happens is people are starting to speak truth. And truth is never interesting. It's what we want, we think. But we rather the drama. We rather the, 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 the periphery things, the, the, the fluff of life. Who, speak, who speaks into your life? It's got to be more than Oprah. It's got to be more than Dr. Phil. It's got to be more than Don Lemon. It's got it, it, somebody that speaks to the issues of your life. Someone that when they ask you a question, you have to stop and say, oh, let me get over that. That, that, that stabbed me. But you know they're doing it for your good. I mean, I, I, growing up, you know, a family, mom, and, and the, they would ask you things that, that, that kind of rocked you for a moment. Why are you hanging out with them? Or why are you doing that? Why are you make, what's that decision about? Where did that come from? Or they come up to you and they say, I don't like where this is going. And then walk away. And you say, what did I do? Parents, we need to do a lot more of that. And question, who are, are your children listening more to the bebop person on the corner than to you? Who are you listening to? They devoted, voluntarily submitting under and by the way, let me just bust the bubble right now. Let's stop seeking. Let's stop seeking perfection in people. None of us are perfect. None of us. But you want people, like Pastor Carmen was preaching a great sermon this morning, a sincere heart that says, Lord, examine my heart. Check out my heart. Look at my heart. Because what happens when we have a, a standard of perfection, we're going to live a disappointed life. Even of yourself, you're going, to have, you're going to be too harsh in judging yourself. But they devoted themselves to other people that had the priority of God in their life. They voluntarily placed them in there. Who speaks into your life? Who do you seek when you don't know what to do next? When you hit that wall in life, and it happens to all of us, where you don't know whether to go right, left, to stop, or to pull back, or what, you know, who do you seek out? And I'm making the assumption that you go to the Lord in prayer. But you need to have someone that will not only be confidential, but will hold that confidentiality. When somebody tells you, don't worry, I won't tell anybody, they're probably not telling you that they're going to tell everybody. They'll change the names to protect the innocent, but the people that know you know that it's you that they're talking about. Say hallelujah if you can. You can praise the Lord if you can. Who, see, who do you seek? When you don't know what to do next. Who? We have to be. The third question, and there's several, but I'm just going to limit it to three. Devote yourselves, they devoted themselves to, the, to the, uh, the, the apostles, and that's to voluntarily place yourself under. Who speaks into your life? 
Who do you seek when you don't know what to do next? And number three, are you really teachable? Are you really, really teachable? Because you say, yeah, no, if I do something wrong, correct me. Then they correct you and you fall apart. I'm not going over there. They complain about everything. You said to teach you. Who, uh, uh, can you remain teachable, pliable, to be able to at least listen to what others are saying? People that love you. I'm not talking about just anyone. I'm talking about people that you have a covenant relationship with. People that will hold high the integrity level in your life. That won't spread it around to everybody. Can you be teachable to them even when you don't like it? It says that they devoted themselves to the teachings and then to fellowship. And fellowship here is to create an atmosphere, a community atmosphere for mutual encouragement, acceptance, healing, and maturation. In other words, to create an environment where it is not judgmental. It allows you to be who you are as you're emerging, as you're growing, as the raw material is being sorted out inside of you, as you're improving yourself. A fellowship is that, that community atmosphere where mutually we encourage one another, we accept one another, and accept the fact that we're still on that road to trans, uh, that transitions that are happening in our lives. Healing and maturation, that's what we need to have. Not a judgmental not a judgmental, black and white, I don't mean that a racial term, black and white, yes, no, on and off. Sometimes a line gets smudged. Sometimes life is not that clear. It really isn't that clear. And I think uh, last time I read, God didn't assign any one of us to be God, me included. So I think we need to give people some room within parameters. We need to give people some room. That's fellowship. You create an atmosphere of mutual encouragement. No one needs to come into our church fellowship feeling judged, feeling cast aside, feeling non-accepted. I believe that's not the spiritual work of the Holy Spirit. The spiritual work of the Holy Spirit acknowledges you're messed up, but I love you, and I'm going to walk with you. You made a lot of mistakes, but I'm going to... Put a stake in the ground and start over from today moving forward. Mutual encouragement. It's not a license to continue living the way you're living. But it's definitely a covenant relationship. A vow that you make to walk alongside someone so they can have healing and reach levels of maturity. Church, at the end of the day, and I know this term has floated since COVID, but at the end of the day, we're all essential. All of us. No one is disposable. No one is unnecessary. In fact, even the person that gives you the biggest headache in the world, God probably placed him in your life because you need somebody to give you a headache every once in a while. <laughs> say hallelujah for the person next to you. You may say, not me. If you say they should go already, you need to go to the Lord in prayer. They should just leave already. We don't have that option. The cross invites everyone. He told him, today you will be with me. Who are we? And you say, yeah, but you don't know them like I know them. Yeah, I got that. But there's an intrinsic value inside of us that makes us essential to the Lord. And church, we need, I mean, we don't need, I'm not saying here to put up with the nonsense of people or the manipulation of people or the triangulation that people do all the time. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, but people have an intrinsic value that's divine. The image of God placed inside of them. We can't judge, we can't jump rather from one to the other. We have to realize that we're all essential before the Lord. And that's what, that's what koinonia is about. That's what fellowship is about. That has to be the demonstrative difference with the church and a social club. 
with the church and society at large, that we accept people right where they are. We're not happy with where they are. They're not happy with where they are, but we provide an environment that nurtures and guides them toward growing and toward maturing and establishing roots. Everybody is essential. Say amen. Everybody's essential. That means you, that means you, that means you, that means me too. And then they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and prayer. And church, there we find in this text, and this is right after the Holy Spirit came on. The church hasn't been called a church yet. They haven't yet been launched out to do what they need to do. And they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and prayer. And there that really alludes to the, the, the whole thing of spiritual disciplines. The only way to grow spiritually is to eat spiritual food. Right? That's the only way. That's the only way. And sometimes we want to substitute. Those are artificial ingredients, by the way, if you substitute. And disciplines imply, you know, I, I wish that I can get physically healthier without sweating. Am I the only one? I, I, I don't like I don't like it. And, you know, the gyms, I like looking at the gym with, in pictures. But going there, it doesn't smell right, it doesn't feel right. It just, I don't know what to touch now anymore. Right? And then you say, yeah, but I'll exercise on myself. If you're like me, in my mind, I've ridden 10 miles yesterday on a bicycle. <laughs> but ask my legs, and I haven't even looked at the bike. <laughs> Disciplines are hard. I wish I could make fasting easier for you. But I'm going to tell you right now, you want to live spiritually, you got to fast. I wish I could make prayer easier for you, shorter for you, less painful for you. But I'm here to tell you, those disciplines work. We need to engage, starting right away, spiritual disciplines. Gathering together to worship. Singing unto the Lord. And I've seen some of you come in years ago, and you just stood there as we sang. And now I see you. You're lifting up your hands. You're praising. You're already dancing away. We have to exercise ourselves toward holiness. Serving people. So there's something spiritually intrinsic about serving and helping others that bounces right back and makes you feel whole, that helps you. And church, we need to get to a place where we, we accept spiritual disciplines as a way, as, as commonplace in our lives. And they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, to prayer. That's what they were doing in the upper room in church. We need to be a church that has that distinctive the history of this church has been that. We are standing today viable as a church ministry, vibrant as a church ministry. But it isn't because of the financial support we've had from people. Praise the Lord for that. It isn't because of the incredible gifting we've had in this house. Praise the Lord for that. It's because there's been a remnant, a group of men and women that have learned the power of prayer. And have spent time seeking after God, not praying, take this one out, move that one out of the way. But Lord, have your will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And you want to change in your home. Maybe it isn't more counseling, more therapy, more medication, more vacations, more money. Maybe you as the head of the home, male or female, the one that represents a significant person in the home. Maybe you should go into that altar of brokenness and start crying out to the Lord the names of your loved ones. And change will come. Transformation will come. Things will happen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't send in your prayer requests anymore. You become your own prayer requests. Hallelujah. And go before the Lord. I was talking to a leader this week and I was sharing with the person. I said, you know, sometimes what you got to do is not listen to anyone. You go, you and God, you and God, you and God. I know that's lonely, but you and God. But he, I don't hear him. You and God. You get it. Close your, lock yourself up. 
in a place where nobody else is around, where you don't hear a prophetic here and a prophetic there, but you're trying to tune yourself up to the voice of the Lord, to establish some, some sympathetic resonance, if you know that, sympathetic resonance, and I'm going to connect in my inner with God, and he's going to speak into my life. Then you get the directions that you need. Let me submit to you that now as things open up, the, I can't wait till the next conference, the next retreat, the next gathering, the next symposium. The next, those things won't matter unless you go yourself to the altar of brokenness and start talking to God. If you're waiting for the next crusade and the next video collection, you're going to die spiritually. In order to walk into this new season, you have to develop a working relationship, you and God. God and you. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, husbands that are here, don't wait for your wife to start in prayer. You go down before the Lord. You say, Lord, here I am. I don't even know how to pray, but here I am. Moms that are here, don't wait for anybody a, a prayer chain. You go before the Lord. Look at my daughter. Name them. Look at my son. Name them. And Lord, this is what I want. Work a miracle. Come on, praise the Lord with me for a second. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think one of the things that, that the reason for COVID is that we were more enamored with, 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 with gathering together rather than going to the altar. One of the things I love about our church, and I can't wait till we're able to do it again, just to open up this place so you can come up here and let the Lord just mess you up. Deal with God face to face. Hallelujah. 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 We have, a, we have a wonderful, Pastor Vigi Hedda, we have a wonderful prayer meeting that takes place on Thursdays with the Spanish ladies in this church. And I, I try to stay away because it's a Spanish lady. Sometimes I jump in at the end to let them know I'm alive and breathing and thank them for praying for me. But I don't want to leave them because, they, they, but also they don't need my help. <laughs> they know how to pray. But when I'm at a distance listening, when Pastor is listening, to them, I, at a, I'm, I'm, getting the, I'm getting an impact of that prayer. It's like encouragement comes in. Something about prayer. Let your kids see you praying. Tell your coworkers when once they start opening up, where are you going? I'm going to a prayer, a prayer meeting. Yes, I'm going to talk to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator of everything that exists. I'm going to have a personal conversation with Him. I think it's time for the church to stop being so embarrassed about who we are. We're a chosen people. We are washed in the blood of the Lamb. We have a right to be able to say who we are in God. Hallelujah. And name Jesus, our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and pray the way we pray. Why are we constraining ourselves? We need to get into spiritual disciplines of service. We need to get into spiritual disciplines. It says here that they were very wise. They sold their properties and possessions to give to anyone that had need. No qualification in that statement. They were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and now we're going into this new season of giving. If you look at the comparative between the New Testament and Old Testament, there is no, not, not that much evidence in the Old Testament where people were selling their properties and bringing it to the feet of the apostles. That happened after the power of the Holy Spirit came down on those in the upper room. They all of a sudden became resourceful and they gave, now it doesn't imply that they gave all of their wealth or their, all of their possessions, but they gave from what they sold and brought it to the feet of the apostles without strings and said, here, just serve the people and we're living in a time where well how much of a tax write-off can I get on it or I bless you but you bless me church if, if we're going to be walking into this new season that is starting I want to submit to you today 
that we just need to be careful in giving our time, our talent, and treasure. That's the, the hallmark of the new season. Giving. And right away you think, oh, he's talking about offering. I'm not just talking. God doesn't need my money nor your money. Get off of that. You're not wealthy enough to finance and bankroll the kingdom of God. Bezos is not wealthy enough. Gates is not wealthy enough. No, no, no. Don't be all enamored about all that money. That's nice to have money. I wish you had that money too because you're all tithers, so it would be great for everybody, right? <laughs> but maybe you got it all wrong, and it's a, it isn't about the dollar sign. If that's what you're after, life has more value than that. There's something about standing and helping a, a senior walk across the street that can't even say thank you to you. But you're helping someone else with your time, your treasure, your talent to help somebody that can't read or write or can't, that can't navigate the English language and you help them fill it, finish an application. And the thing is, sometimes no one will ever know that task. But for that family, you just rescued them out of destruction. God sees that, church. Don't wait for the trophy. Don't wait for a plaque. Don't wait for a recognition. Just serve. Serve the least of these. Go out and be with people. They were wise. They sold their properties, their possessions, and they gave it to the apostles and said, do what you need to do. So they wisely sharing their resources for the betterment of the group, in other words, of society. And we as a church need to continue down that road of social justice that we advocate for those that cannot advocate for themselves, that we speak about fairness for everyone, for everyone, regardless of their decisions in life. You know, our pantry, I love what we do with our pantry, we just bless people. We call it blessing. We can't use blessing with them because they'll get, you know, some people will get offended. But we're not interested in putting a track in there or putting another Bible in there. No. We just want to love on. You'd be amazed what love can do. Be amazed what love can do. And sometimes we want to get into this transactional service. Transactional means that we want to transact, we want to have a contract. So, but make sure you come Sunday. I don't think that's what the Lord would do. I really don't think He would do that kind of transactional. He would just love. Love. Mother Teresa loved. That's all she did. She wasn't trying to get people into Catholicism, she was just loving humanity. God has a way of working that on church. We need to have that as a hallmark for our church ministry. We cannot leave anyone behind. We can't ignore people's journey. That doesn't mean you agree with what they've done. But also stop beating up on the people that have made mistakes. Don't raise your hand, but how many of us have made mistakes? The last thing we want to do is have somebody harping on that over and over and over. Don't you think they know that they made a mistake? I think what we need to do is say, okay, you that's, that's true, that happened, but look, let's get ourselves up. Come on. Get ourselves back up again. Learn from that, don't do it again, but let's get it. And then stop repeating that over and over. We cannot leave anybody behind. We cannot ignore their journey. We cannot ignore the, the bumps that they've went through life. We've got to, this church has to develop being shockproof. Listen to me, new word for, new phrase for the new season. Shockproof. You know, when somebody tells you something, they confess to you, and you say, oh, not you. I would have thought everybody in the building, but not you. Put yourself in that other person's shoe. 
We have to develop this way of, not, of being shock resistant and, and not, not burying individuals. That doesn't mean saying everything is all right. No, no, no. You're going to have to work this through now. You got into this mess. I'll walk with you as you try to get out of the mess. But let's learn from the situation. We cannot leave anybody behind. We cannot ignore their journey. As difficult as people can be, we cannot give up on people. And it says that they devoted themselves. They broke bread. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, celebrating the fellowship. And then finally it says, and with this part I'll close, it says praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And I think there's something intrinsically valuable to being able to celebrate the Lord. I love at the beginning of our service what the sound people help us do. Is they start playing songs and we all start celebrating this. Don't you feel, even if you came in feeling a little bit, uh, you feel less, uh, a little bit less. Uh. You know, the traffic people made you go crazy. You couldn't find parking. You parked on the other side. You came here, but you parked in Brooklyn because that way you took a trip. Walked over. I, I get it. I get the, you know, right? But then all of a sudden you come into an atmosphere. Can we, can we, and Pastor Carmen, I need to celebrate you and thank you because you ushered us in to the presence and you ushered the presence of the Lord here. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it happens not because she was leading and playing, but you engaged her and sang along. And even if you can't sing, we know you can't sing. <laughs> We're not going to judge you. You know my teaching on that, right? God loves you so much that even if you sing majorly off-key, the Holy Spirit changes the key as it's leaving your mouth and going up to God's ear. And he puts that note in the right place so God hears a pleasant sound. Come on, those that can't sing, praise the Lord with me for a moment. <laughs> Praising God. This church needs to continue in this new season being a place of praise. Being a church that celebrates the uniqueness of each individual. Being a church that acknowledges God as being the creator. There's going to be many, many philosophies emerging. There's going to be people talking to you about prophetic things. They don't know what they're talking about, but they'll talk about it. And they'll use, as Paul would tell Timothy, this convincing language. This convincing language. We need to make sure we hear the Lord in this new season. That we pro press our ear to the mouth of God and listen to what he says to us individually. We end this chapter. We're closer now to closing out the COVID stuff. We're going to go slow, but we're in that in-between. But that in-between, the, the apostles locked themselves up in the upper room. They got themselves under an anointing of prayer. And then it says that they waited. And church, that's what we need to do so that we can emerge from the in-between into this new season that God has prepared for us. Right there, just close your eyes and bow your heads. Father, I know that this is a turning point moment for our ministry. Everyone is rushing forward now, Lord, to discard all of the things that have kept us healthy over the last months. We want to be wise, Lord. We want to follow your direction. But one thing we want, Lord, is we don't want to 
come out of the in-between place into the new season with all of the trappings of yesterday and last year. So, Father, disassemble our plan. Let us hear your voice and your instructions with what we need to do moving forward. And as we saw in the early church, that they submitted themselves, Lord, to authority. They submitted themselves to worship. They provided the resources to serve the least of these. They praised you in an exuberant way. Spiritual disciplines were important. Help this ministry, Lord. Not follow the steps of other places, but stay in step to what you want from us. Lord, speak to my heart. Speak to the leadership team that we have. Lord, we are trying to become experts in obedience. We will hear your voice and follow your specific instructions. Look at the men and women that worship here and those that watch us. Lord, speak to us. Whisper into our hearts. Tell us, Lord. Let's stand throughout the sanctuary and just lift up your hands. Can, can you be vulnerable before the Lord? And vulnerable means, Lord, anything. <laughs> anything. Here I am. The good, the bad, and not so good. Here I am. Just lift up your hands. Father, we surrender to you. Yield to you. Have your way in our lives. We don't pretend to be anything but followers of you. We don't subscribe to the trappings of life. Just simple followers of you. Send your Holy Spirit to speak to us in the deepest places of our hearts. Send your Holy Spirit, Lord, to show us the way. Let your bright and shining light of this new season Shine in our hearts, Lord, and show us the path. We yield to you. Speak to my heart, Lord. We yield to you. Have your way. Help us, Lord, to dismantle the things that have taken us off track for so long and trust you enough to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.